Hey everybody, welcome to Trashy Divorces, our Wednesday Trashy Breakups edition. I'm Alicia. My name is Stacy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Stacy, you're coming in hot with a trashy breakup today. I've heard a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. This hit the news a few weeks ago where there was a inconvenient moment to be served. Indeed, yeah. We've had a spate of um, people rushing the stage and attacking particularly comedians. This was this was a process server and there was no assault, so thank God for that. Anyway, friends, sometimes even the most likable of celebrity couples find themselves on the outs and an adoring public is left to grieve a love they cheered on, wondering all the while what could possibly have gone wrong. Sometimes there are tabloids or ill-considered interviews involved But it was indeed notable when, at the end of April, a process server approached actress and filmmaker Olivia Wilde while she was on stage at CinemaCon telling an audience of 4,000 people about her latest film, Don't Worry Darling, and passed the manila envelope to her on stage. Let's stop doing this, please. Can we stop? Don't rush stages with stuff. Anyway, according to BuzzFeed, Olivia Wilde took this in stride, asking, This is for me, right? Very mysterious. I'm going to open it now. And as she did, she asked, Is this a script? Before she looked inside and then told the process server, Okay, got it. Thank you. And then continued on with her presentation. She never mentioned it again. She just held the manila envelope. The papers inside were not a script. The papers inside were, in fact, legal documents related to the custody agreement between Olivia Wilde and fellow actor and comedian Ted Lasso star and creator Jason Sudeikis, who spent the better part of a decade together, have two children together, and quietly broke up sometime in 2020. They were engaged for seven years, but never seemed to find the time to marry. For many, Olivia's rapid rebound with English musician and actor Harry Styles raised an eyebrow or three. Let's get into it. Daniel Jason Sudeikis was born September 18th, 1975 in Fairfax, Virginia. Oh, he's a Virgo boy. Is he? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Into, I think, what was a pretty prosperous middle-class family. They would eventually move to Oakland Park, Kansas, which became the hometown of Jason and his two younger sisters. Jason was born with anosmia, meaning he has no sense of smell, which, like, we all kind of got familiar with because of COVID, but he's apparently had this his whole life, and... I wonder if that's not a blessing curse kind of situation. Like, you can have cats, all the cats you want. No, it's odd to be without smell. In a car accident mm-hmm. I had, I had some head trauma that caused me to lose my sense of smell for a number of years. Yeah. It's weird. All right. And yet you didn't have cats then. Weird. I know. I really missed out. Sure. So Jason was a talented athlete and went to college on a basketball scholarship, but didn't really find college to his liking, and being young in the 90s, decided to give comedy a try. This was not as out of the blue as it may sound. His uncle is the actor George Went, who played Norm Peterson on Cheers. Norm! Norm. So Jason understood, because of this, that one could pursue, you know, acting, a creative career, and be successful. It also gave him a kind of roadmap of sorts, because two decades earlier... George Went had stumbled onto Chicago's legendary comedy improv troupe, The Second City, and eventually joined it. Jason started off in Kansas City at Comedy Sports, which GQ's Zach Barron describes as, quote, a national chain with a fake competition angle, teams in sports uniforms, and a referee. Oh, Sounds my. a bit like Poetry Slam, honestly. 
Eventually, Jason moved to Chicago, studying at the Annoyance Theater and I.O. Similar, I think, to Amy Poehler's background and Tina Fey's that we covered long ago. Eventually, he too joined the Second City Touring Company, and he helped found the Second City Las Vegas, where he settled down with his longtime girlfriend, a screenwriter and fellow Second City player whom he would marry in 2004. Jason Sudeikis nearly joined the Blue Man Group in 2001. Really? Oh yeah, they flew him to New York. Didn't work out. But it was in 2003 that the Saturday Night Live mothership finally made contact, offering him a chance to audition. And to Zach Barron in that GQ profile, he said, I didn't want to work on Saturday Night Live. He felt like it was the corporate gig of the comedy world. But when they called, what was he going to do? Like, say no? Yeah, you know, you take the audition. So he says, quote, it was like having a crush on the prettiest girl at school and being like, she seems like a jerk. And it's like, oh, really? Because she said she likes you. She what? (laughs) So he goes and auditions. He did not get a job in the cast, at least not at first. But Lorne Michaels hired him as a writer. After laboring in the word mines for two seasons, he realized that without performance in his life... And living very far away from his wife, who was still in Vegas, this oh, was... that's tough. Yeah, this was not quite what he wanted for himself. Lorne Michaels got it, and in 2005, Jason became a featured player on the show. So performance is back. And he became a full cast member in 2006. Huzzah! It should have been an amazing period, but as his star was rising, his marriage was falling apart. Mm. Long distance, man. He described the contrasts this way in GQ. You're going through something emotionally and personally, or even professionally, that's affecting you personally. And then you're dressed up like George Bush and you're live on television for eight minutes. You feel like a crazy person. You feel absolutely crazy. You're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're just like, who am I? What is this? Holy hell. So they separated in 2008. The divorce was finalized in 2010. This is where we parked Jason at the Trashy Divorces Depot. Okay, so Jason, Planet at 30 Rock. Okay, yeah, not the Depot. Live from New York. Live from New York. Well, that's where the Depot is, 30 Rock. Actually, that's good because they they do meet there. All right, so jumping to the other track, the other 30 Rock. Olivia Jane Cockburn was born March 10th, 1984 in New York City and grew up in the Tony Georgetown neighborhood in Washington, D.C. Ooh, Pisces girl. Her lineage is heavy on writers and journalists with a mom who works as a producer for 60 Minutes, a journalist father, and a British novelist and journalist for a grandfather. She attended Georgetown Day School and later Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts, and I cannot stress quite enough how incredibly well-connected her family was. The late writer and provocateur Christopher Hitchens was a tenant of the Cockburn family for a time. And recalled young Olivia in a 2010 Elle magazine piece. He wrote, Yes, of course she was a beautiful baby. I remember her being born in New York in 1984. Her parents, the journalists Andrew and Leslie Cockburn, already had the lovely and artistic Chloe, a girl of exquisite charm and calm, so it seemed only fair that the fates should give them a second daughter who would teach them what trouble was. Hitchens adds, quote, She has, Andrew, her father, Sighed half-admiringly, a whim of iron. So here's a fun little spider web for you. It's funny to think about Christopher Hitchens this way, Stacey. Christopher Hitchens became the contributing editor of Vanity Fair and worked with my man Dominic Dunn. Did he? For a number of years in the 1990s. Yes, ma'am. 
everything's a spider web. I suppose it is. All right. Well, Hitchens continues. During a slightly rackety period in my own life, by which time we all lived in Washington, D.C., I was the tenant of the Cockburns and the occasional supervisor of bedtime stories and suitable viewing fare for the younger generation. <laughs> That's fantastic. Olivia's incandescent greenish-blue eyes seemed to miss nothing. This was a house where there was a great deal worth observing, and family lore soon incorporated the evening where she was found eavesdropping on a dinner that featured both Mick Jagger and Richard Holbrook. No. But it became clear that she had ideas of a different form of stardom. It probably helped to have a Californian mother. The OC is something you can do in a walk. And an Irish father. She was to study theater in Dublin as soon as it became clear that she was born to act as well as to act up. So there's no mystery about the change of name to Ireland's greatest playwright, Oscar Wilde, and no coincidence about later stardom in The Black Donnellys, a TV series that she was on. So yes, Olivia Cockburn became Olivia Wilde in homage to Oscar Wilde is the point of that. Her family, uh, this is me, her family have been aristocrats in Scotland and England for generations, and on her father's side, the family is related to Admiral of the Fleet Sir George Cockburn, who burned down Washington, D.C. in the War of 1812. Hey, what a claim to fame. A nice bit of historical irony there, given where she grew up. Anyway, as high school drew to a close, she was accepted to Bard College, but as noted in the Hitchens Passage, opted for Dublin and the study of the theater. Like you do. She worked pretty steadily across the 2000s, and likely depending on your age, you may first have encountered Olivia Wilde as Alex Kelly on The O.C., circa 2004-2005, or like me, on House, circa 2007, where she played 13, Dr. Hadley, part of the team of young physicians and occasional patients' home burglars, under the employ of the almost diabolically talented Dr. House. I really, really loved that series. She would play the role through 2011, and this period, from about 2003 to about 2011... She was also married for the first time. This just goes places, Alicia. I don't even know how to... All right. Olivia Wilde's first husband was a guy named Teo Rispoli, son of Prince Alessandro Rispoli, ninth prince of Servitari in Italy. What? And Teo himself is a filmmaker and musician about a decade older than Olivia. They eloped when she was just 18 and announced that they had been living apart for some time in February of 2011 on the way to divorcing. This brings us back to the Trashy Divorces Depot, today parked at 30 Rockefeller Center, and seems like a good time to take a break and hear from our sponsors. When we return, we will recount the once shining love of Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde and speculate on what caused it all to come crashing down. I'm hooked. See you on the flip. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast, called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. 
We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. <laughs> Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So what happened, Stacy? Do not be afraid for the future of dear Olivia, friends. For she was just months away from meeting her future ex-fiancé. It was in May of 2011 when their paths crossed at an SNL finale party. Olivia would recall to Howard Stern in 2016, quote, he came up to me and he said, whatever you're looking for, you don't need it. And he walked away. <laughs> okay. Great line, Jason. Great line. <laughs> 30 Rock, bringing people together. Well, kind of more flabbergastingly, he made no effort to get her number that night. Ah, playing it smooth, playing and it cool. Over the next six months or so, as they kept running into each other, he continued to make no effort to get her number, though... Clearly, they were developing something of a friendship and a mutual attraction. Finally, one of Olivia's guy friends tapped him on the shoulder at some event and was like, hey, here's Olivia's number. Use it. He's just coming up, dropping fortune cookie come on lines and walking away. Exactly. Exactly. Whatever you're looking for, you don't need it. You don't need it. But again, he was apparently in no rush. (laughs) It's amazing. You've heard of the wait three days rule, right? Well, apparently Jason Sudeikis has a wait 30 days rule. Nope. And it was driving Olivia up a tree. In the Stern interview, she said, when he got my number, he didn't text me for a month. I was Uh like, this is incredible. I was on the hook. I was like, you guys, did Jason Sudeikis die? Because I don't have any texts. For his part, in a late show with Stephen Colbert appearance, Jason explained why it took him so long. Quote, I actually came off looking a little cooler than I really am because I had heard through the grapevine through mutual friends who weren't exactly her best girlfriends who would report back, oh, you know, I think she's dating someone. So I didn't make any moves. I was just very, very busy with other things. And next thing you know, I stopped being busy. She stopped dating someone. And then it was off to the races. Olivia, by this point, was head over heels about the mysterious Jason Sudeikis. Well, not everybody flirts with you with fortune cookie lines. And the pair finally met up for a date. Though they closed down their dinner restaurant at two o'clock in the morning, Jason didn't move to kiss her until their fourth date. And by then, I think they had both fallen pretty hard for each other. By the following fall, 2012, they were living together and decorating their apartment. And that October, they were spotted out and about in Rome, smooching and enjoying romantic dinners while she was there working on a movie. A few months later, at the start of 2013, Jason proposed with a 1920s Parisian engagement ring that featured a circle of emeralds around a center diamond. He had apparently had it in his pocket for a month, waiting for the right moment. I I love this little love story. I know, right? Their first child joined the world in April of 2014. And I think interviewers were surprised over the ensuing years that they never actually made it down the aisle. In 2016, Olivia told an interviewer, we are seriously connected. Before you have a child, marriage is the ultimate commitment and promise to one another. And then once you have a child, it's like, oh, we're committed and promised already. Driving home the point, although that certainly wasn't the reason, the couple welcomed their second child in October of 2016. 
In 2019, Olivia directed her almost husband Jason in her film Booksmart, which I quite enjoyed. And then in November 2020, seemingly apropos of nothing, they broke up. Yeah, it was weird. Out of the blue. No fortune cookie predicted that. Yeah, there were dueling, you know, quote, person close to the couple kind of sources feeding different timelines for the breakup to People Magazine in the immediate aftermath. Some said that they had broken up early and like start of the year, early in 2020, while others, including others who said that they were sharing what Jason believed, made it seem much more abrupt. This is from a People piece by Alexia Fernandez and Melody Chu called Jason Sudeikis didn't know Olivia Wilde wanted out of their relationship until October, source says. Wow. So they write, Jason Sudeikis believes Olivia Wilde's new relationship with Harry Styles led to the end of their engagement, a source tells People. While an insider told People in November that the two had split, quote, at the beginning of the year, after seven years together, another source with knowledge of the situation refutes the claim, saying, quote, she and Jason were very much together as recently as this fall. Jason feels that the timeline that Olivia and Harry would like people to believe that she and Jason split ages ago, long before she became involved with Harry, is simply not accurate, says the source. So we're doing a little time travel. Hmm. Quote, she began filming the movie Don't Worry, Darling in September, and by October, he began to get the impression that she wanted out. By November, they had announced their splits adds the source, but that's how quickly it happened, and none of it happened until she began filming with Harry. Later in the piece, the source says that Jason, quote, is absolutely heartbroken about the split. There's still a lot of love there, and he would like to have hope that maybe there's a way for them to repair things. Oh, buddy. Yeah. So there had apparently been rumblings from the set of Don't Worry, Darling, with people attached to the production, noting that the chemistry between Olivia and Harry was blindingly obvious and that he would often visit her trailer during breaks in filming. Harry Styles, for the uninitiated, was born February 1st, 1994 in Redditch, England, and grew up in Cheshire. He learned to sing as a child on a karaoke machine his grandfather gave him. Oh my, how times have changed. <laughs> and headed a band in high school that won a local battle of the bands. In 2010, as I guess a 16-year-old, he auditioned for the singing competition show The X Factor, and while he didn't advance to the actual series, the production picked a group of eliminated contestants to form what would become the boy band of the era, One Direction. I can clearly recall parent friends complaining about their children's intensity of devotion to this band, which, fair enough, they sold 70 million records worldwide before going on hiatus in 2016. Yeah, truly incredible. They were phenomenal. It was like a five-year, but yeah, meteoric. So... Anyway, they go on hiatus in 2016. This freed Harry Styles up to go in more than one direction. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're funny. So aside from a very successful solo musical career that he still has, he also began acting. His first venture was in the acclaimed World War II drama Dunkirk, for which he earned good reviews. And this eventually, you know, through the way things go, led to his being cast in Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling, which is slated for release this very fall. Fantastic. September 2022. He also briefly dated Taylor Swift, which, Alicia, I know for you is the most significant fact about any person who has dated Taylor Swift. Counting down till Friday and what I hope is the big announcement. Like, Alicia's biography of Harry Styles is like, blah, 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 Taylor Swift, blah, blah, blah. 
That's it. It's true. I know I know a lot about what I know. You t- <laughs> Against this tumultuous backdrop, Jason, meanwhile, had been busy creating something very special, especially for the latter bit of 2020, which was such a calamitous period for so many reasons. Ted Lasso is one of those shows whose influence went far beyond what I assume is the rather limited audience of the Apple TV Plus streaming service, but delivered a heaping dose of optimism, openness, and decency into a pandemic year scarred by social upheaval and searing electoral politics in the U.S. I need to start rotating which services, which streamers we subscribe to, because I have not seen Ted Lasso. Same, but I hear it's fantastic. The mood it prompted in my friends and across my social media feeds mean that I will be remedying that situation for us as soon as possible. I think the gist is that Ted Lasso, played by Jason, is an American football coach who's hired to head an English football soccer team, knowing nothing about the sport and as part of a scheme on the team owner's side to cause the team to fail. But Ted Lasso turns out to be one of those people whose best traits are entirely infectious, allowing, in effect, everyone to win. It was a balm to very many people at a uniquely terrible time, and it was rewarded with 20 primetime Emmy nominations in its first season. This is a record for a, a show's first season. Reviewer Carolyn Frame of Variety wrote late into season one, quote, Above all odds, Ted Lasso chipped away at my skepticism until there was none left, just like the character (laughs) himself does to everyone he meets. At a time when just about everything feels catastrophic, there's something undeniably satisfying about spending some time with good people who are just trying to be the best they can on and off the field. Olivia and Harry are still together today, and they seem to be going strong. Jason's people say that he had no knowledge of when or where the process server would deliver those custody papers to Olivia, but come on, at a big event promoing the movie where she and Harry apparently fell in love seems a little on the nose, if you ask me. Process server's got to do their job. Who can say? You look for where the people are going to be, and you got to do your job. Got to do your job. Apparently, Ted is in England right now, so he can deny filming Ted Lasso, so he can deny all... Pretty on the nose, though. For Jason's part, he told GQ in that 2021 profile, you know, like, how's how's that breakup feeling? And he says, I'll have a better understanding of why in a year, and an even better one in two, and an even greater one in five, and it'll go from being, you know, a book of my life to becoming a chapter, to a paragraph, to a line, to a word, to a doodle. No, just wait until the fortune cookies I can make up next. (laughs) That's an experience that you either learn from or make excuses about. You take some responsibility for it, hold yourself accountable for what you do, but then also endeavor to learn something beyond the obvious from it. It's such a good profile, and as always, our sources are at TrashyDivorces.com, but I'm going to close with some of Zach Barron's writings and some of Jason's thoughts, which I found quite profound and moving. So Baron writes, this sounds oblique, I guess, but I can attest after spending some time talking to Sudeikis that everything is a little oblique for him right now. He had the same pandemic year we all had, and in the middle of that, he had Ted Lasso turn into a massive unexpected hit. And in the middle of that, his split from his partner and the mother of his two children, Olivia Wilde, became public in a way that from a great distance seemed not entirely dissimilar to something that happens to the character he plays on the show that everyone was suddenly watching. Sudeikis says, quote, 
personal stuff, professional stuff. I mean, mm. it's all that Venn diagram for me is very here. He held up two hands to form one circle, mm. you know, you kind of feel for his little heart, sweet, trashy baby. Yeah. So later he talks about how he's tried to kind of demur on the similarities between his character and himself. Baron writes, except he said after a while, every time he tried to wave off Ted, fellow castmates or old friends of his would correct him to say, no, they'd say, no, that that is you. Aww. That is not the best version of you. That is not you on mushrooms. It's not you hanging off a boat. It's just you. Aww. Got a little crush on Jason Sudeikis now. <laughs> Hearing people say this over and over again, Sudeikis said, quote, brought me to a very emotional space where, you know, a healthy dose of self-love was allowed to expand through my being and made me, he trailed off for a moment, when they're like, no, that is you. That is you. That's a very lovely thing to hear. I wish it on everyone who gets the opportunity to be or do anything in life and have someone have the chance to say, hey, that's you. That's you. I'm withholding trash cans on this one largely because it's apparently a thing for Brits named Harry to sweep American actresses off their feet and because Jason Sudeikis was kind enough to give the world something it really needed at a perfect moment. And I'm not talking about a process server rushing the stage at CinemaCon in 2022. Mm. So that's my story for the week. The trashy-ish breakup of Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis, who may be in the middle of a custody dispute. I'm not sure. Well done. Thanks for bringing that to me in the Trash Pandas. I learned a lot in that one. I've been thinking about what we call this. Mm -hmm throughout the recording session and i think we have to go with i'm just wild about harry oh that's a that's a terrible pun but you know what that is how we roll here sometimes here at tdhq (laughs) thanks everybody for tuning in we're going to be back on sunday with two brand new trashy trashy divorces until we meet again then angels you can find more of us on patreon.com slash trashy divorces be sure to check out Done and Done. We got a lot of fun stuff going on over there. But in the meantime, keep those hands clean. And keep the hearts trashy, friends. Big love, everybody. Have a tremendous rest of the week. Bye. Bye, angels. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. 
I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there, and thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.